Good evening and welcome along to the latest edition of the Endless Helps podcast. The Monday night team is very punctual once again. Just didn't like starting at half eight. <laughs> didn't like starting at half eight. But um, we've got a wee... How, how's your cell, Anthony? Just your, your regular, how are you? Ah, not too bad. Uh, much better weekend this one than uh, than last weekend. Um, got to see. Very interesting talking points I think we've got today. Uh, maybe doesn't look that appealing on the face of it, but today there's a, a fair few things to get through, Fernie. Uh, there is that, and we've got... We've got someone new for the Monday Club tonight. He's just he's filling in for the other Anthony, making making things a wee bit easier for me. How's yourself, James? I am all good, mate. I've I'm pulling the Tony Ralston tonight. I've come off the bench to fill in, but now looking forward to it. A wee bit more positive after after the weekend, at least anyway. I know, I know. It's always it's always. I mean, I know we obviously won against Hibs midweek, but I just felt like the weekend's result felt a wee bit felt, felt a wee bit different. Felt a wee bit different, but. First of all, just welcome along everybody that's it's in the comments and that. And again, sorry for holding these up, but you should be used to it being in a Monday. It's what happens. Um, just kind of before we get going, we'll look at the Super 6, if I can remember where we put that. So it's here. I think I Alistair Jack still out in front. Keenan Gahuli second. Mark Robertson. Stephen Coltart. Joe Finley. Anthony Dunn. Kevin Hampstead. Ryan. Marcel in ninth. And I accidentally came his in tenth. But it doesn't matter. Miles away. Miles away, but um, we'll just kind of we'll just kind of get into it, James. We'll, we'll come to yourself first, and that's just a wee brief overview of what you thought of the game and how it went and that on, on Sunday. Um, well, uh, I said on Friday that I, I was looking for a performance. Um, obviously, you want the result. The result takes care of itself if you get the performance. I think the performance was better. Um, it was definitely better. I think obviously the. The changes that we made kind of played into that. Obviously, Kyogo getting his goal. Um, I still don't think it was where it should be, but it was definitely a, a step in the right direction. And I thought it was for me. I think I think I said in the the chat as well. It was more. It was satisfied after that game. It just felt felt a wee bit different, Anthony. For the as I said, the the Hibs game. You, I think we did the Hibs game had a wee bit of smash and grab, but it got a wee bit lucky. Whereas I think we, in the main, we kind of controlled Sunday's game. But I just yourself, how was your sort of a brief overview of the, the game and stuff? I'm kind of getting it more. Yeah, likewise with James. I think I said that last Monday as well. We we're looking at the uh, the midweek game last week that you want to see a performance, and we didn't get that on Wednesday. And I I still don't feel like we fully got that at the weekend either. But the result was a lot better. And I don't think we felt too too threatened. I think the backline is makeshift as it was, held up quite well. And it's a uh, this positive speed taken out of it, Franny. Uh, definitely positive to go forward with. Well, that's uh, there is positive. Like it's a way sort of pushed on for Wednesday. It's got to be hard to hard to say. It's got to be need a few games for that to to fully say that well, we're on they're on the right path. Which seems strange when you consider. I think he's won. We've won eight games for nine. It seems quite mad saying that, but I think performances haven't been great and stuff. Um, but I will just kind of just kind of get it. Like it, it did have a proper cup tie feel about it, Anthony and stuff. Where it was obviously Saint Mirren had their chances and things, but I think obviously we got off to a great start and we'll, we'll kind of talk about Kyogo's goal and stuff and the build up. I thought another great start because we have Anthony's. We've started quite a few games decent. It's how I've finished the game through the second half easily, but it was kind of, uh, for me McGregor's pass and Palmer's pick out, and it was good to just kind of see 
Kyogo back in the back in the goals, really. Yeah, seeing Kyogo was that nine games he went previously, not right off the back there, but yeah, I think he went about mm. nine games just over the kind of Christmas period or just before. He's a bit slow with the goals, but then once he gets one, he gets two or three in a row, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we see that. Hopefully we see it kicking on the whole team. But I think both goals were well worked. Um, both goals, good, good team play. Um, everybody kind of played their part in it. Um, but it's good to see guys like Kyle and just to touch on Maeda, obviously getting his goal as well. You've seen you know, the attackers getting the game, uh, getting the goals now rather than just the midfielders. You know, people are starting to get involved again. And that was good. Like for me as well, obviously. Kyogo looked like he was maybe playing the, the ten a wee bit, James and stuff. And you just when you see the goal, you see he's sort of delaying his run. He just bursts in. Yeah, it gets a wee deflection going through the the boy's legs. We don't know. It, it probably still for me. It maybe still goes in. I think when you you shoot for that sort of range and it goes through the a defender's legs, it generally it's a keeper off. But don't know how you you sort of seen the goal. What your thoughts were on and stuff? I it was a bit out of the blue. Um... Kind of even when it went in, you were I'm still a bit shocked to be honest. It like took it kind of really early and just the, the kind of way the finish. I don't know if there's maybe a wee deflection on it, it kind of takes it further away for the goalkeeper. But the Kyogo in the 10, it, I, I know we kind of tried it at the start of the season a wee bit, but I think that was probably the, the best Kyogo's looked in quite a long time in terms of overall performance. Um, not mm. just in terms of goals, but um, and obviously I think Adamida playing up front will um, play a big part in that because obviously when you think of Kyogo, you're thinking about running off the shoulder and then kind of cheating the offside and getting on the cutbacks and things like that. But Adam Adamida being up there, it will free up space and behind he's occupying the defenders, and I think that's where the where the goal comes from. So I my no happy, happy enough, and I just hope we we stick with it. Because um, I'm sure we'll come on in the second half, but it felt as if when we when we made the subs, um, the performance did kind of dip a wee bit. So hopefully we'll stick with the two strikers. Nah, I thought it, it does. It did seem to suit us a wee bit better. The, the two strikes. It felt it's, it's something we've been crying out for a wee bit of change. But we'll kind of talk about the the change of shape in a wee bit. But we'll just kind of go into Maeda's goal. Um, Another great play by Palmer. I felt he put a lot of good work in at the weekend and stuff, even defensively, and he was going by his man, which was is a bit of a rarity. He doesn't seem to be like hitting the byline and, and crossing an Anthony, but obviously he digs out a good cross, really comes in, it's unlucky, hit the bar, but Maeda is there at the right time just to just to prod it home and his celebrations. They were he celebrated that goal well, did they not? I he seemed really excited and enthused by that. <laughs> uh, great to come back from the international campaign and get a goal. Uh, showed, showed it wonderfully. Um, it was a cracking goal, probably the the better of the two, and two goals were were quite good. But credit to to Young Burnaby as well. That run he made on the outside for for Palmer to create a bit of space that was absolutely superb, wasn't it, James? Um, <laughs> nah, I think he quite well in that. To be fair, he, he offered himself some. Some space and he offered himself for the pass, but Palmer knew what he was doing. He cut in a little bit. He got the cross into to Matt O'Reilly was absolutely pinpoint accurate. The the shot from O'Reilly was superb to to just hit the bar uh, was extremely unlucky. But there's Dyson Maida doing what Dyson Maida actually does best: 
be in the middle and get onto a loose ball or get onto the end of a, a long ball sort of thing and kind of run onto something. In the middle, Maeda can just pop up and just hit reactionary, just hit the ball on a quality goal. Just don't put Maeda out of the wide. He, he's not very good there. I see. I, I mean, it's hard to disagree with Maeda. Like, some of his crossing yesterday was absolutely woeful. It was, it was horrendous. But I don't know. It's with me with Maeda. I think he's a terrible, terrible football player, but he's probably one of the first names I'm putting in a team sheet every day. I don't know how to explain it, but I'm probably always putting him in the team. I just think his pace troubles defences, um, but his crossing is terrible, but I would always kind of put him out there. Um, I don't know what you thought about the goal, uh, uh, James, and I don't know if Stephen's just trying to wind you up saying he's been the best player the last two games. He's definitely been the best left-back the last two games, that's for certain. <laughs> uh, but no, just on Maida, um, I, I I I think Maida 100% obviously there's a place in the squad for him, but games, I know he scored, so it's a bit of a kind of contradiction, but I think games like, um, like the weekend maybe only suited to him as much, on a kind of tighter park and things like that. Um, uh, For me, Maida's best work is still done defensively, so maybe you're kind of trickier away games, the games against Rangers, then I totally there's a place for him in, in the starting 11, but I, well, I'm going to. I know you are defending Maida, uh, defending Burnaby, but for me, Burnaby makes Maida look like Pirlo in terms of composure. <laughs> um, having the two of them in the team, it's just, I mean, overhit crosses galore, as we've, we've seen a hundred times. But in terms of what we've got available to us, the new, for the time being, I would go Palman Maida, if no Palman couldn't and look couldn't. It's kind of been hot and cold since he's come in. Granted, it's a bit hard to judge him after what, no, even three games. Um, mm-hmm. But based off what we've got, I'd be, that's what I'd be running with. Palman made a way of you bringing Kuhn in to take me this place. Uh, maybe I, I, see, I think whilst Burnaby is in the team, I think I think you need Maeda just there to, to help him out to do the defending because, like I say, like I'm. I'm I thought he had an okay game yesterday, Burnaby, but I think Ross summed him up right. Just he's no really got a clue what he's meant to be doing when he's got the ball. He's got all the heart in the world. I'll, I'll give him that. It'd be easy for him to sort of go into these games where he's hitting because he can't be daft to the noise that's happening on social media and stuff. Where it's apart from Stephen, it's it's hard to find anybody that actually thinks there's a football player in him. But so I kind of suppose you've kind of got to give him a wee bit credit for giving it his all, but. Eyes for me, he's, he will never then. If Burnaby's playing, I would, I would have my either sort of a, just to cover for him. But I understand where you're coming from. Maybe looking to maybe try and get Kuhn in the team and stuff. But we'll kind of go to Brendan Rogers and how we, we, we kind of touched on it uh, briefly about him playing with starting with two up top. Maybe for me, it looked more like sort of a four-two-three-one maybe uh, type formation. Stephen had some random. <laughs> fucking four one whatever it was I don't know how he worked his formation it but uh, it could have been, it could have maybe been a four four two as well with Kyogo just sitting slightly deeper but what were you what was your thoughts James when you obviously seen the two up front and stuff yeah, I was delighted because um, it's like it, we something needed to change we couldn't just keep going with this four three three and look, I know we've results. I know obviously we didn't get a result in Aberdeen, but 
Like the Hibs game, we got a result. The performance was dreadful. Ross County, we got a result. The performance was dreadful. And you can't just keep limping for game to game, just expecting that it's going to magically improve. Um, so we had to make a change, whether it was gone four four two, which isn't obviously popular these days, or that kind of four four one one that we basically played, mm-hmm. um, or however you have. As I said, everything's a kind of variation of four three three really these days. But just something had to change, and having the focal point up front with either it occupies the defenders, it frees up that bit of space in behind. As we see, that's how Kyogo got his goal. Um, but I, I, I was, I was delighted with the, the starting lineup. No, no, even just in terms of having two strikers, but just in the fact that the manager had acknowledged that we had to do something different. We couldn't just keep persisting. Whether we went four four two, whether whatever it was going to be, we just had to change something. And that, that for me was the massive positive for the uh, for the day. Uh, I totally agree. Like I think we're all sort of. It's almost unanimous and the support that we had to do something different, maybe get to up front lower. Forever saying that the system's not really working for Kyogo and maybe somebody like Alameda or that type of thing would get him up there. Um since <laughs> seen Stephen's comment there, obviously brilliant to Friday when you and Willie were talking about him. I mean Willie were advocating Kyogo in the ten and Stephen was dead against it for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but obviously he gets his goal and he, he proves me and Willie's point and he, he shuts Stephen up, doesn't he? So, what you'll find out if you ever watched all of this podcast, Stephen, that old phrase, if throws enough shit at the wall and something will stick. That's, that's <laughs> the way Stephen works in this game. That's the way Stephen works. You'll learn to go on it. But I, what we said, as I say, Anthony, we'll, I think we were all sort of advocating for some sort of change and going to that sort of a frowned upon formation. I feel like that James mentioned a 4 4 2. I, it was it actually took us all by surprise to the point where I never looked at the, the defensive line until the game started and realised how shit it was. Um, <laughs> just to see two strikers up front was was magical to see it, that we're actually willing to try something different. And that, as I said in the group chat and I said on, on some of the forums as well, the fact that the manager's acknowledged that and he's went and tried to change something tells you that he's doing his part. It was then on to the players to do their part. And it was only just this past week as well that you have to remember Rogers has came out. And it, it sounded a bit daft, and it still sounds daft. But he came out last week and he made that comment that he's not asking the players to play any different than they were playing last year. But looking at the tempo and the speed of the game and looking at how we pass the ball around a bit too lethargically, shall we say, it definitely looks like they're playing different. So the fact that he said that and then he's kept, went into this game and said, right, something needs to change a little bit here. And he's actively went out to do something. All credit to Rogers. He's doing his part. The players now have to do their part. And they did. They started well in the game and it, it showed. Weirdly enough, he acknowledged it was a 4-4-2. Via play put up the team lineup as a 4-4-2. So it was a 4-4-2 meant to be. But Kyogo most certainly did drop back quite a lot. To, to be more of a 4-4-1-1, shall we say. Mm-hmm. He wasn't quite the number 10, but he's definitely sitting a lot deeper than you would expect or want him to, which isn't a bad thing considering that's how he got his goal, coming from deep to, to latch onto the ball. But no, it worked well for us. We got a couple of good goals out of it, and credit where Stuber, the manager, he uh, he tried something different and it paid off. We just need the uh, the performance really to crank up a bit more. Well, maybe it's, uh, like you say, I think... 
I wouldn't classify, say, defenders are maybe sussing Kyogo out in his movement, but I think him playing that slightly deeper role, like the, the tenor, the, the false nine is the trendy one as well. Um, you can use that movement there. And I don't know about yourself yet, James, do you think this is a formation we'll be utilising, certainly moving forward in the, the sort of interim? I would like to think so. Um, I, I definitely think we'll stick with it. Um, with Kilmarnock at Parky at the weekend, but the week after it will be interesting. I'm sure it's Motherwell at Fir Park, um, which is a tricky away game. I know Motherwell's maybe not having the best of seasons, but it's still a tricky place to go. So, mm-hmm. will we kind of stick by it, or will we, I don't want to say we'll bottle it, but maybe just kind of revert to type and go to the 4 3 3? Um, I, I really hope we don't. And as I said, even just based off the game at the weekend there, um, when and let us know having a go at Bernardo but when Bernardo came on and we kind of went back to the formation and the players that we've seen for the last wee while um, it kind of tailed off noticeably and pretty quickly as well so I, I, I'd i definitely be going with the Kyogo and Ida front um, Kyogo and O or O and Ida whoever it is just change something just don't go back to the way it's been been previously and I think that maybe it was just me but I, I noticed a wee bit of a difference in the wingers as well I think there was a couple of times that Palmer actually got to the byline and if he's done it twice mm-hmm. in a game that's twice more than he's done it all season <laughs> um, I think it was the same at the other side for Maida I think he probably smashed a couple of indies when he got to the byline in fairness but he's, he's still kinda, still kind of getting there so uh, uh, the, the, as I say that for me obviously the results are positive but I was delighted that we noticed that we, we just can't keep going, even though we're scraping buying games, we couldn't keep going the way it was going because we were kind of sleepwalking into a disaster and he's changed it. And as I say, the, the performance, it still wasn't a, I wouldn't say it was a great performance. It was it was at times kind of turning into a basketball game, but then mm. part of that probably is the fact that it's a, a one-half game for St Mirren, obviously in the cup as well. So, aye. It'll be interesting to see the, the lineup on Saturday, but I imagine he'll stick with the stick with the two up. Uh let's hope he does. I mean I hope he does do it because it, it feels like the team Anthony needed a wee bit of freshness. That that kind of gave us a it gave the fans a wee bit of freshness because it felt like we were we were all asking for it to try and get two up front. Um and I know James was saying obviously it'd be interesting maybe looking kind of head to Motherwell. I, I feel some Looking at it, it might suit us to play the two up front in these sort of away, away games where it's tighter and Kyle will maybe find these spaces where the teams are maybe playing that low block, whereas at, at Celtic Park, where it's a bigger pitch and stuff, you might be able to justify going back to going back to type and playing the one up front that doesn't feel like it's working too much. But I think it would maybe be more suited to these away games playing the two up front. I don't know how you how you see it. I think it would, to be honest. Um We've had this problem for, for a decade plus now where other than Ange coming in in his first season and playing something a bit different, teams kind of figure us out quite quickly. And this, you know, two banks of five, ten men behind the ball thing that they do, it stifles our game completely. And we notice it so much more under a Rogers team that if we don't get the space in the final third, we're happy to pass the ball back and just pass around the midfield in the middle of the park quite generically. And it's it's all good having pass stats and possession stats, but if you're not actively doing anything in the final third, 
it means very little. And that's kind of where the frustration got with Rogers in his first term. And you've already seen it just now um, this season, albeit he's got a lot of issues with people away for international and injuries and all the rest of it. So it's a hard one for him to do, but if you're going to try and do something to combat that that low block and the 10 the main, if you're not going to play the high tempo, the really high tempo of the ne- we never stop attitude of Ange, then perhaps playing two up top and two wide men who are very heavily attacking, so practically four attackers, mm-hmm. let alone whoever's in the field. Maybe you do need to just overload that final third, but at the same time, the players need to need to do a bit more. And I would like to think that playing the two up top and the guy like Adam Ida and Kyogo, the little and large thing, maybe we'll just bring back that little bit of the old school mm-hmm. kind of one guy can hold the ball up or create a bit of space for Kyogo then to run into the space and you never know, it could generate something a bit more positive for us. Um totally agree with both of you. That, like I hope as a wee throwback on the like you said that the little and large um a guy up front now. I'll kind of come straight back to you, Anthony. It's maybe a wee bit unfair on Bo, considering he's only recently turned sure. to the... Well, that. Um, but <laughs> I think that's where this is going then. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe it's a wee bit unfair on the fact that he's just came back off the international duty. But do you think we can read much into the fact that he was there available, but he still, he still pumped for Adam uh, either up front? Um, I think we'd read into it a bit too much. Um, I'm not a big fan of bringing Adam Ida in on a short-term loan where there's no option to buy. Um, like we know fine well that if if he does the the deed up here, and you know he scores another ten goals, let's say between now and the end of the season, and gets us over the line, there's going to be a clamour that we as fans start asking mm-hmm. that we actually sign him as the the Jackamacus replacement um, that all isn't quite well yet um, but Norwich at that point knowing that he scored you know a dozen goals or something is going to suddenly turn and go yeah 14 million and we're going to go nah thank you it's a bit of a daft one and in that sense I can see why a lot of people and myself would say it. why would we develop him for Norwich's gain rather than giving all the chance and the answer simply is that oh i don't think looks good enough quite yet and weirdly adam either does but i think that's more to do with the league that they both came from yeah that's like O's came from asia he's not in a very physical league although he looks like a physical guy he's a give or take a year younger so he's still got a wee bit more development to do than adam either does or did um, but I think I just came from a, a more competitive league where he's already he's already got that kind of experience to to play at this level as such. The best thing we could do we always get him loaned out, even to a Saint Mary and Aberdeen, a Hibs, whoever it is, so he can get that game time experience. Because I think there's a player there mm-hmm. uh, long term. But yeah, I, I've went on a tangent there to your actual question. No, no, it's top, always not getting a start now. Inevitably, always not getting the start now because he's just not experienced enough and he's not ready for this. Whereas Adam either is, although I don't think we're going to keep him long term. So, catch 22, is it? Or something? Rocking a hard place? I don't know. Uh, it kind of is. I, I totally understand what you're saying. That. And then, as I said, James, I'll come to yourself and ask the same question. I mean, I, I'm, I'm Anthony where I, I believe there is a player in O, but 
it's getting harder and harder to kind of back that up because he's been here over a year now. He's never nailed down a place. He's obviously had his moments and stuff that you kind of take that away from, but then usually when he's came in for the start, he's never really stepped up. Whereas Ida's came in and an unfortunate situation for Ida is like if you look at the optics at the third choice, Norwich striker, and we're bringing him in as to bolster our squad. That's not really his fault. He could be a could be a good player, and like Anthony said, he could come in, score, score a few goals, and then we're going. Well, why did we not get the the option to buy? Why did we not agree a fee and things? But could it be I'd kind of alluded to it on a previous show? Have we done this deal because the guy we really want, we can't get to the summer? But do you think we can read much into the fact that Ida started up front? Uh, I think even just the way the manager talks about him, um, either I, I think either even including Kyogo, I think Ida's the number one striker at the moment. Whether that's right or wrong is up for mm-hmm. debate. But the the way the manager's talking, and obviously we've seen it the weekend. I know we're saying about playing two up front, but we didn't really. It was Kyogo was in behind, and Ida was your your focal point up front. So I think Ida is the number one striker. The new. If I'm being totally honest, and look, I, I, I quite like O. I always brought in to be a third choice because I think at the time it was kind of assumed that we were going to be signing Cho as well, but he went to was it Mitchelland. Um, so mm. O was brought in to be a, a third choice, really. Um, O's, his goals, 10 minutes, must be really good. And look, I know, obviously, there's a lot of his game that he has to work on, but I think O's probably a bit more involved than Adamida when he plays. He's a bit more kind of chaotic up front, pretty much. Um, Ida, oh, I, I know he scored two goals and he set up the the one at Aberdeen as well. And it sounds daft saying it. I know I'm fully aware of it, but is he apart from that? He's been largely anonymous in games. Um <laughs> Which I know he's scored two and set up one in three games, and he's been anonymous. But <laughs> hold, hold up, James. Did you just say that you reckon Ida's the number one striker, and then just tell us that he's being anonymous and shite? That, that fits the bill. No, but I Fair mean, in, term, in, in terms of the manager's thinking, obviously, I'm sure we would all say Kyogo is the number one striker. But in terms of the manager's thinking and the manager's style of play. If he was to pick one starting striker out of the three, I think he would go with go with Adam Ida. Um But for me, between O and Ida, there isn't much between them. If I'm being honest. Uh, well, Sam France coming in saying he he thinks O's more physical. I don't I don't know. I think Ida looks a lot bigger and more physical. Like I think for me, O, I feel like you say it a lot with a lot of players. He, he's raw. Is what you would say is absolutely raw and. I just think, uh, for me, Oi just tries to score an absolute worldie. Every nothing mm. seems to be sideways. It's always rattled in. I mean, it comes off it looks good, but for me, I don't. I, I don't say what I say. Something I'm just jumping. Oh uh, no, I was just trying to think about the style of players, and I'm trying to come up with how to say this without sounding absolutely stupid on a podcast. I think Ida's more the the kind of hold up player that we would like to play alongside Kyogo, that little and large thing we talked about, he'll hold mm-hmm. it all the way back into a defender, he'll, he'll muscle his way kind of into a bit of space and create something to lay off. Whereas O, and this is a bit that's going to sound absolutely ridiculous, O, although he's got this the kind of size to him, he looks like he wants to be more of a, a Haaland kind of player. 
Mm-hmm. He's happy to get the ball and run with it a little bit and create his own space for his own goal rather than Ida, who's probably more happy to hold the ball up and turn it to lay somebody else off, if that makes any sort of sense. I know, I get what you're saying. It does, it seems more like what we're He's not the same as Haaland. He's not on that level before no. anybody else. Like better, obviously. Better, obviously. Um, I, it feels like he wants to kind of get involved, whereas he does. I don't think he does the type that cares about how many goals he scores. If, if that probably sounds stupid as well, considering he's a striker. But I think he he likes to link up the play and just it's one of them as long as the team's winning. I'm I'm not sure he'll actually be banging in the goals. Where I think oh, for me he's got a bit of Dembele about him, but Edward where he wants to be involved more in the play and things like that. But I I mean we've just compared. I've just kind of been writing the laugh and. It's been compared to Haaland, Dembele and Edward <laughs> in the last two minutes. Yeah. I can just I mean, it's just to throws off. Burnaby. <laughs> oh, nah, uh, he, he's, he's basically a younger Messi, mind. <laughs> aye, no, aye. It'll just be age and nationality. That's about <laughs> it. He's left-footed. But even then, it's questionable. But um, we'll just kind of briefly talk in the second half. Like you mentioned the earlier, James. I did feel like when we saw... When, it's anonymous, as I agree. He did, he did have he obviously occupied the defence well, but in terms of touches, I don't think he had much. But when he did come off, it felt like something in the team felt different a wee bit. I still felt in the main we managed the game, but it did feel maybe like we, I don't know why, he just maybe didn't bring on all then because it's a wee bit more pace, it's all that physicality up front. So, I, what was your thoughts when he sort of went, reverted back to sort of a type, if you like? That was it. It was just went back to type, and it, as soon as he done it, I don't know if the plan was maybe. To, I, I, to be honest, I didn't really understand his subs because he had a water on the bench. So if you were wanting to kind of shut up shop, surely a water is the the guy that you bring on for Kyogo and push McGregor on one. Um, Bernardo for Kyogo, Bernardo. I know there was people kind of wanting to sign him up. See, based off what we've seen, I know he had that wee purple patch. He just doesn't do enough for me. Um, and it's not that he's he's bad, he's just anonymous for the most part. And when he came on, and as I say, it's not a slight in him because it is just the system, but that was when St Mirren kind of put the fit down, really, and they kind of dominated the last, what, 20, 25 minutes of the game, more or less. Um, so I, I didn't really understand his subs and I hope that that just proves to the manager as well that they three in the middle cannot play together. McGregor, O'Reilly and Bernardo are far too similar to try and play together. Why they'll need a physical presence in there or just throw another striker on as we did at the weekend. And as again, as I say, I'm not by any stretch saying that it was a perfect performance at the weekend. It wasn't, it was miles away from it. But I think we created more at the weekend than we did probably in the last three games combined. Um, so, I the, the subs for me, it was the rank subs to make at the time. And hopefully the positive to come for it is that we don't need to see that again. <laughs> that kind of start with that midfield trio. Uh, it's, it's a strange one. I have seen some things online as well. Where Bernardo has came on under a wee bit of sort of flack and things for his performances haven't been what we, we sort of seen where he had that four or five games where he was just, it was fine, it looked like all this was, was needing was a wee run of games, but 
it has sort of a wet going backwards the right term but it just feels like for me anyway as well we're seeing a wee bit of what we've seen before sort of this four or five games I don't know how you feel about Bernardo and sort of how the second half panned out with the subs Bernardo's suffering from the same thing that you know two thirds of our squad suffers from the projects they're going to go through this kind of a run of games where they look good four or five games he needed those three games leading up to, to the Rangers game. He, he done well. He deserved his place in that team and that squad. And he, he was great in that game as well. But he's played, what would that make it, about seven or eight games on the bounce now to some degree. He knows he's dropped in now and he's a rest because, yeah, he's 22, but he's a development player. He's a project, as is so many of our squad Um would I, would I take Bernardo end of the season? Um, yeah, but I wouldn't probably be willing to pay. Was it six million that's quoted as? I don't think he's worth that. If you look at Carter Vickers and Jota, the two previous loan to buys that were about that value as well, they they deserve that value for us for a club. And I'm all for spending a little bit more money, you know, speculate to accumulate with the club and stuff. But Bernardo's not done enough, I don't think, to to warrant that kind of fee. He's more of a, dare say, a two or three million pound buy, which is the range that we, we criticise. But he is a project signer. And if we're going to keep him, he stays as a project. But we need the rest of the squad to be so much more higher quality overall. Because as, as we notice quite a lot now, and again, another tangent that we've all heard before, if we have too many projects in the match day squad, we've not got enough experience to see us through and to be able to combat some of the teams that we come up against. So Bernardo himself, I agree with James. He had the purple patch there. He looked good. But for me, not worth the £6 million just yet. Maybe another loan deal, maybe. Um, maybe another loan deal work, but then it's with the player want that. It's, like he says, at a young age, does he want it? I suppose it's a loan deal, but coming back to the same club, so it is a wee bit more settled and stuff. Uh, but I think the reported £6 million, it's... At this stage, it seems seems a bit much to pay for a guy that uh, doesn't seem like he's really justifying it. But like you say, it's, I think you make a good point, Anthony. As young project player, he's going to have these sort of patches where he'll be in and out the team and stuff. But um, we'll just kind of talk about our, our makeshift back, back four. Our role skills has played the majority of this season. In fairness to the guy, it's it's been been brilliant in my opinion anyway but when you actually look at that back line like Ralston, Wells, Scales and Burnaby and to think that we for me anyway I can't remember any sort of hairy moments I mean the boy that their set pieces were really good but I felt in the main including Joe Hart defended it really well there was never any I was never hiding behind the couch that I can remember and stuff and there was obviously I think you can see skills of late. I'm not trying to advocate him for putting him out of the team, but I think his distribution passing out for the back and stuff, it's you can see he's no it's no his game really. But when it comes to defending he is he can get caught with the ball over the top, but I think he recovers well. But just going to yourself as well, Anthony there, what what's your kind of thoughts on that back four? And if it was maybe Ibrox next week, would you be comfy with that? Oh, 
<laughs> no, had a feeling about that. As I said earlier, though, it, the the change of formation, the two up top, kind of blinded me from seeing that before the game actually started. Then you realise, oh, that's um that's a backline that you see traditionally with Celtic in the the qualifiers or the the first couple of games of the season, where you you turn around and you say, ah, don't worry, guys, after the the windows closed, we'll not see that line up here again. That's just a makeshift. That is just was unfortunately. That backline is far too common these days. Um, but credit where it's due, they actually did not bad. Um, I don't ever want to see that backline up, uh, back four line up like that ever again, to be honest. But yeah, credit with you, they, they held up well. Joe Hart has been pretty damn good the last few games as well. He, he struggles out of a couple of holes, but they, they didn't look too shaky as a, as a backline overall. I think Scales is, Scales is not the quality. For Champions League level that we want, they see what he's done so far this season. He's been absolutely outstanding, and he's been quite assured of himself. Um, he, he 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 was great. Uh, Stephen Welsh as well. I think maybe in James in the in the group chat. I actually said I can't remember. He gets a bit of a hard time, doesn't he? With uh, mm-hmm. his injuries or kind of just getting the fans getting on his back a bit too much. But see, overall, when he actually does play, he's pretty solid. He's he definitely needs more experience and more game time, but he's generally pretty solid. But overall, no, you don't want to see that lineup. So I'm starting to praise them a bit too much. It was a shite lineup. <laughs> uh, as a as a scary sort of back for James when you actually you know I mean, and take I say take all of them in isolation, but I've, Ralston, I think you know what you've got to get for the guy. He's he'll give you all the heart in the world. I think he's. His commitment will never be questioned. Eyes quality sometimes, well, but I think, I think it was maybe yourself that's even said that. I think way Ralston, you're not going to get any less than a, a six or a seven out of, out of ten. I think you'll, will probably never be the reason you lost a game as as Ralston. I think defensively covers his cell all right. Scales, I think, like we said, he's, I think, from a personal point of view for him, he's always worked wonders in this team. Albeit through a bit of luck with injuries and stuff, um, but he's been brilliant. I, I feel Welsh. I hear he's he's gave you a Christmas card once, so you might be a wee bit biased here. <laughs> when it comes in, but I thought it was interesting that he started ahead of a fit Navrocki, who you would. Well, I know money doesn't mean everything, but you spent a big chunk of your transfer budget on him. He's fat, and Welsh is getting ahead of him. Bernabe. I will admit it was okay, but taking him into isolation, I didn't want to get you anywhere near the team. But just a, a, a fair point of Anthony as well. It was Joe Hart, I think, has been good the last few games and he had a few good saves yesterday. And maybe he's just marshalling this sort of a makeshift back lines that we've got there now through games. But I just come to yourself, James, what, like when you've seen that starting sort of a back four in that. Aye, it's alarm bells in it when you see it. Um, in fairness to Joe Hart, look, he's biggest critic, man. I would have had him gone in the summer, but I think since we've come back for the winter break, Joe Hart's probably been our best player, probably comfortably our best player as well um, in terms of consistency. Um, the back four, Ralston, I'm no Ralston's biggest fan, um, if I'm being totally honest. I know he's a kind of dependable backup, but 
I just think we should be looking for a wee bit better. But maybe, and admittedly, that is probably a bit harsh. Um, I thought it was all right at the weekend. The the centre half thing is the the big thing. I take for it, as you're saying, you've spent five million in the Vrotsky, and then all of a sudden we've decided that two guys that were were already here um, should be ahead of him, essentially saying they're better than him. But the thing is, well, the Lager Bielka thing just gets stranger by the day. I think it was it was Alistair Jack was saying the comments earlier. He was not on the bench again either. Um, mm, and if the, yeah, the... if the chat about Carter Vickers no been out for as long as we feared, then I don't know. It just feels as if that's been kind of mismanaged a wee bit, to be honest. Um, but no, in terms of the, the defensive uh, side, that I thought three of the back four played well, um, and uh, Burnaby, as I say, man, his middle name is should just be. I actually thought he was all right because every day that's all you ever hear. I actually thought Burnaby was all right, and he just isn't. He? The guy is shite. He's rank rotten. <laughs> I mean, we say that in the group chat. He, like, was it? I actually think it was yourself, Megan. He, he skips past two players, and you're like, no, right? He was going to do something. Oh, no, I just passes it. Passes it straight back to a St. Marin player. I think he got up to the byline once and he crosses it right behind the goals. I think he had a shot that oh, probably right. hit the space station. But nah, he just doesn't do it for me. Look, he, he tries, but I mean, if we're setting the bar so low as trying, it's going to make you all right, then we're never going to get anywhere. And I, I really, I don't understand it. But look, pe- the way people go on about him, you would think he'd be due a fucking call up for Argentina. <laughs> the guy is rank rotten. He is utter shite. He'll never know be utter shite. Sometimes he might not be as shite as he's been, but he just, look, I, I, I don't particularly like Greg Taylor either, but fucking hell, he makes Greg Taylor look, Roberto, look, look like Roberto Carlos. He just does not do it for me. <laughs> I think it, well, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be Taylor's biggest fan, but I think it shows you that there is a massive drop-off between Taylor and, and Burnaby. Now, maybe some of me and others saying Burnaby was all right or okay the last two games is just he's not really set a very high bar. So it's he's not really got much. That sort of a glass ceiling for Burnaby isn't very high for him to, to maybe impress guys like me at the end of the day. But I certainly, I mean, if Burnaby doesn't play at the weekend, I'll, I'll be more than happy. But uh, it's it's almost like needs must now and just, just get through. But I think Roger said after the game that uh, Taylor will be available for the weekend. But I think maybe just with being at Parkhead, maybe just ease him in. I don't know if maybe that's part of the reason Carter Vickers is back out. I feel maybe he was rushed back and I'm wondering if that's maybe why O'Reilly's suffering a wee bit. Now I think he went... It was uh, against Ross County where he seemed to have a back and I just didn't think he's really performed well since then. So I'm just I'm, I'm cautiously rushing guy as much as I would gladly not see Bernard be on the team. I'm also cautiously rushing guys by that will result in Bernard being quickly back in the team. Aye, no, we seem to be experts at rushing and back for injury anyway, but. <laughs> Mate, I, honestly, as I said, I had even stick scales at left back and put Navrotsky in. I just, I'm fed up watching him, fed up hearing people try to ah, but he, he runs and he's quick and like, no, he's just shite. He's never no going to be shite. He, we've tried it, it's failed, it's no worked. Just let that be the end of it. Aye, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, yeah, add to that there, Anthony, on the, the enigma that is Bernabe. <laughs> 
He's got better no, to back it up. Because <laughs> well, he, he is shite at the end of the day. Um, I want him. He's one of those ones, and maybe it's it is just because he's Argentinian and we've all got a love affair for, for Messi and the likes. But I've got a hope that he does come good. But it's clear as day that he's, he's no he's no good, really, at all. Um, people said he used to be a left winger and he kind of fell into being a left back and maybe we should play him a 3-5-2 or play him up, for, up on the, the left side of a 4-3-3 or something. And I get the thinking a little bit, but even then, he's still not that good. I mean, look at that shot that went to the space station, as James says. He's just not very good anyway. Um, I would love him to work out for us, but it's no going. Um, the big problem that we have at Celtic is what do we do in the meantime? Because, yeah, Greg Taylor's possibly back at the weekend is what Roger says. Do we rush Taylor back and then he potentially gets injured? Possibly. Do we give Burnaby another week and maybe it comes good? Probably not. But see by the time we get to the end of the season, boys, we still have an issue where Greg Taylor's your number one left back and he's, even Greg Taylor's still shite. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of folk like Gio's agreeing with James about uh, Bernabé and uh, Dion saying about how I, what was it, I agree he's just a pork chop, the guy's a banger. I think that kind of sums up, sums up Bernabé just fine. I think it's uh, one of them where, aye, Bernabé's rank. <laughs> I don't like it's, it's hard to make a case with a guy, especially when I don't like him. But I've got to go on to Callum McGregor because I think online and well, even in a group chat yesterday, got Kenny sort of a mixed reviews. Anthony, I don't know where you sort of seen his game, and I think Kenny sort of a, sort of recently as well, where game the performances haven't they, but it maybe been great that he's coming under a wee bit of flat. We've been. I don't know if it's just a wee bit unfair when being the captain, but I'm not like he's clearly not a bad player. But where are you standing with the captain now? It's inevitable that he's going to get the flack at some point. Um, the whole team this season has been subpar, to be fair. We've had a, a lot of players out injured. Um, I don't think I'd be surprised. Somebody in the comments maybe can bring it up. I'd be surprised if we've had one game this season where we've had everybody fit and free to choose from, uh, let alone the fact that we've probably got four or five players out all the time. Um, I don't think McGregor was too bad at the weekend. I don't think he's been too bad all season, but inevitably he's going to catch some flack eventually because everyone is a little bit below par. And as a captain, as the, the engine room in the midfield, he takes the responsibility as much as anybody else. Um, he needs to be the guy on the pitch that's going to drive the tempo and drive the players forward when when things are going to kind of a bit stale. And he tries and he does his best and he is a good captain. I'm not going to take anything away from him. We've spoke for the last few weeks, last month here, that you know if it wasn't for the fact that Scott Brown has been here, well, was at Celtic for so many years, he's probably every bit as decorated as Scott Brown is, just not with the name of captain next to him. He's an absolutely fantastic player. I'm not going to start Chris. Personally, I'm not going to start criticising too much, but it's inevitable that sometime he was going to catch a bit of flack uh, because every player deserves a bit of flack in this squad right now. Not one person really comes out of it the last few months kind of with flying colours and looking looking like they're great. Nobody's carrying this team. We're all just a, a bit kind of lethargic with how we play. I know. I, I, I do agree with a lot of that there, Anthony. Um, and I think he is maybe just guilty 
James, of being the captain, performances haven't they been great? You're just looking to pick on, maybe look at picking something you'll maybe initially look to your captain first. He is in that sort of a, in the engine room in the middle of the park where he can dictate a lot of games. He has, in fairness to him, he's, for me anyway, the, the two derby matches, he's absolutely controlled the games. And maybe just as his fans are looking for him to do that more when the, the sort of the chips are down, when performances haven't been up to much. I no, I think McGinty's hitting the nail on the head there. Um, the performances this season, pretty much throughout the full team, probably barring O'Reilly and arguably Scales, um, it's been subpar. Um, McGregor falls within that as well. But in terms of the game at the weekend, I, I thought McGregor was was man of the match. I thought he was he was really good, um, especially in the first half. He was getting on the ball quite a lot, con- controlling the tempo. Um, it felt as if anything good we done. It was kind of gone through him in the middle of the park. Uh, I, I'd seen, obviously, I know we've seen in the group chat, but i seen him getting a bit of stick as well on, on Twitter, which did kind of surprise me. But I thought on uh, yesterday, sorry, I thought the two standouts were Callum McGregor and Joe Hart. And that, mm-hmm. obviously, I am by no means a Joe Hart fan, but I thought the two of them were really good. Joe Hart looked a lot more comfortable. Um, I mean, I we must have had about fucking 400 corners against us, it felt like. <laughs> no concede for one makes some difference. And Joe Hart was actually coming out, no claiming them, but punching them as goalkeepers day these days. Um, so I, the, the two of them shared the man of the match for me. And I was I was surprised to see McGregor getting a bit of stick. Um, I, I've said before, uh, I think it's only highlighted further in Europe. But I think the generally when he's been playing that kind of flat 4-3-3, um, the position that he's asked to play, he's not got the physicality to play it, playing the deepest of the three. That's not his fault. And as I said on Friday as well, it's it's not even as if it's just a, a Brendan Rodgers thing. It's been the, the last couple of managers that have played him in there. Um, and I don't think it's any surprise, but for me at least anyway, I think Callum McGregor played his best football when Awata was in the team. Um, and obviously he can play old man and free him up, but I, I agree with what you're saying, that when you're maybe going through a, a tough patch, then your captain is the one you'll look to, and if he's performing subpar, then he is going to take a bit of flack, but I thought at the weekend McGregor was, was really good. Uh, no, I thought he was thought he was good as well, it was just, I was similar to you, I just, obviously there was a couple in their group chat, um, had mentioned they thought he was poor, then he started seeing it online, and I was like, I must have watched a total different game, because I did not think he was think he was poor but it maybe it's just a bit of that that suffering for being the captain and I do agree like Ross certainly um has always been a big advocate uh, a water which is I'm not saying strange in the terms uh like because the guy's rotten it's just he's not featured as much as I think it was we'd all expect but he has got a bit of love within the fan base I think a lot of the fans can see a player in them and and as one of the, one of the reasons maybe because you can get Carl McGregor's father at the park I don't know just kind of, where do you stand with a water there, Anthony? Or... I'd have him in. Um, I kind of go back to the Bernardo conversation earlier. We we had that purple batch four or five games at, over over the kind of festive period mm-hmm. where Bernardo really st- staked that place for himself and he deserved that, that run of games and he deserved to get a few games after the, the winter break as well. But I think it's becoming quite apparent that Although it's nowhere near as bad, Bernardo and O'Reilly are two similar kind of players, the same way that O'Reilly and Turnbull were very similar players. So you kind of cancel each other out. And 
I wouldn't say we're quite a man down as I would have said if Turnbull was involved, but it does feel like we're missing something, and that's something that we're missing is the the dogged defensive kind of get in your face kind of player that definitely Hitachi can be, but Awata possibly could be that same kind of player almost. So I think personally for me, I would put Awata in there to allow Cal McGregor to move forward a little bit and do a bit more of his kind of you know, box-to-box kind of role that he, he's better at doing and then allow O'Reilly to, to kind of do his forward play that he's definitely better better at. Um, there's just a bit of balance if you have a guy like a Watterin. So if he's back fit and knowing that Hattati's out for another, what, five, six weeks, I would have a water in there easily. Uh, same for myself. Like, I would like to see, as much as I have been impressed with Bernardo of late, I would like to see a water maybe get in there just to bring... Well, I'm saying to bring uh, McGregor forward, but then if we're advocating James to get a lot in the team, that, uh, then we're not getting our two strikers. But where do you yeah. sit with a lot anyway? Seeing as we'll probably we'll start to talk about No, if we were going the 4 3 3, and I, I said this like, previously before um, Bernardo hit his purple patch as well, but if we were playing the 4 3 3 that we've played, um, my midfield three would be a Wata sitting deep with McGregor and O'Reilly in front of him. Um, as I say, like, every midfielder we've got apart from a Wata, McGregor, um, obviously Turnbull in the first half of the season, but like, literally everybody else, McGregor, Holm, O'Reilly, they all want to do the same thing. They're, they're all mere forward-thinking players. So when you put the three of them together and you're asking McGregor, which I think he's no suited to, to sit as the kind of deep lying kind of I know he's a deep lying playmaker but you're playing the deepest obviously you're going to need to try and break the play up as well and you maybe get away with it domestically but in Europe is where it's majorly highlighted um, so Iwata in there for me <laughs> with um, O'Reilly and McGregor in front of him if you're playing that 4-3-3 but obviously as me and Willie advocated on Friday night <laughs> it's got to be Kyogo in the 10 moving forward I've always I always and maybe this is just playing too much too much football manager in my old days but I've always we all do it and it turns us into turns us into managers I'm a notepad in uh, but I've always loved the idea of having a 25 man squad and I know it's not perfect and ideal for the real world and you know, bloated teams and players who don't want to leave and stuff. So it's maybe like 30, 35 that we end up having. But I like the idea of having the three-man midfield and we have a, a starter three and we have a true backup three for all three positions. And see if you're going to say like McGregor, Hitati and O'Reilly is your, the first three that go down. Then I'm looking at Awata, you know, Holm and Bernardo as possibly the, the backup three. Could it be that at some point in time in this season, why not drop O'Reilly and allow Bernardo to go in and have that midfield to see if Bernardo can do something there or equivalent drop McGregor and put Awata in? Would it be so weird to, instead of trying to play Bernardo and O'Reilly or trying to play McGregor and somebody else together, why not really change it up a little bit and give these players... As we're kind of saying just now, that that kind of balance in the midfield three, so we're not playing two similar players, and somebody gets cancelled. Actually, give the balance to the midfield better. 
I know, I, I totally understand what you're saying. Sometimes you can be managers can be guilty uh, of trying to just play their best players, just get their best players in in the team at the end of the day. So it, it's I understand what you're saying and stuff. It, and like I say, it's a lot has not really featured a lot, especially for Rogers. So it, it's hard to try and see how you how you get him in the team. And like I say, I just feel sometimes managers you go back to Lennon as well. He just felt like he played his best players. Just to, just felt, oh well, we've got been better players in the park, so it'll work. And sometimes it doesn't. You just need to look at that balance. But talking about guys that are not really getting getting in the team, there was I say a notable, notable absentee. I don't really think they really noticed it until after the game. Realised that our man Leo Abada wasn't even in the starting lineup. They were all before Rogers had kind of confirmed it, or like, well, maybe he's picked up an injury, read between the lines what might have uh, happened, but obviously Rogers came out and then paraphrased and said that like, his head wasn't in the right place. We've obviously been talking to each other, uh, talking and stuff, but James, where do you see Celtic and Leo Labada? If I'm being honest, I think he's probably kicked the last ball for us. Um, it's a shame that it's had to end this way. It's not really... Well, it's not really MD within the club's fault. Um, I understand he's he's obviously going to have things on his mind. He's going to have pressures for uh, for back in his home country. It's it's not a bad his fault. It's not the Celtic support's fault. It's it's nobody's fault. I I I feel sorry for the guy in the the situation that he finds himself in. But obviously, we're looking into the the political side of it, which given the situation, it's it's pretty difficult. Um, but it can be it can be an easy situation for the guy. Um, that being said, it was still horrendous on Wednesday when he's coming on. <laughs> you you need to show something. So, but uh, after backing out on Wednesday and the manager's comments, it's hard to see him coming back. And I think it's a shame to be honest, because I think, as I said, like, Abada tends to split opinion. Um. I, I liked him. I thought he would really kick on, especially when, when we appointed Rodgers, because as we've seen first time run, no worked out that way, but he tends to improve players and really bring them on. And I was quite excited to, to see Abada this season. So with the way it's went, it's it's a shame, but I think he's probably kicked his last ball for us. I know there's still some countries that's got their transfer windows open. So I don't know if we, I say get him out and loan. I mean, Really, six months isn't going to make a difference in four months, but um, he'll probably be shipped on in the summer anyway, and I don't think we'll get anywhere near the fee that he's worth or the fee that we probably would have got last year. I know, I, I, I totally agree, and Jed's on a similar sort of uh, training for Alex, we're saying the club and fans are not to blame for a bad situation, please don't listen to the medium press. I think that's, that's fair. Uh, uh, Anthony and stuff, and obviously focusing about the narrative being pushed and stuff. And I do, I it's what James is saying, it's true. I, I do feel sorry for the guys. He's an unfortunate uh, situation. Obviously, folk online will begin him stick. There's rumours that obviously he's getting certain threats for, for back home. You just you just didn't know how true that is. I think obviously the Israeli manager's been very public in how he's uh, not saying threatened him, but his treatment has not been fair, I would say. Abada being such a young lad and I've seen obviously folk online making a big deal about I'm constantly going down the tunnel after after games not celebrating with the fans but 
me, I'm looking at that going, well, there is plenty of Palestinian flags, more so it feels now uh, due to the, how the conflict has been more more highlighted and stuff. And for a bad sake, whether, like like James said, without getting the political side, of, regardless of which side you look at that as, it's not a badder's fault. Um, if he looks at, if there's pictures get taken of him celebrating and there's Palestinian flags there, you just... He just didn't know how that would be perceived back in his home, his hometown, especially his home country and stuff. So I feel he's in an unfortunate circumstance where I think going down the tunnel straight after the game maybe is best. So that picture, that image of him celebrating the Palestinian flag there, he's no celebrating because of the Palestinian flag, but you just didn't care how that gets interpreted back over there and stuff. I just, I do, I do feel sorry for the guy how it's just the way it's working out for him. Aye, 100%. And completely agree with you. Um, politically, we need to try and separate it from football and from the individuals. And I know collectively as a support, we, we do lean a certain way. Um, we're not going to deny it. We, we do have uh, sympathies for the Palestines and the struggles over there. But you can't blame a, a 23-year-old footballer because he was born and raised in a certain part of the world that he had no choice in. And I don't care what his political affiliation is. He plays for Celtic. He knows who Celtic are. We know who he is. He's a human being. He's a footballer. That's it at the end of the day. If he's happy to be at Celtic and to play for us, I'm happy to have a bad at the club. I think he's a great talent. He's definitely worked done on his development and his football ability. Overall, he needs to add more to his game. And I think he was starting to show that in, in parts near the end of the season, the start of this season. Injuries have not helped him and they've not helped him at a time where, you know, stuff that is happening back in Israel and in October and in the last few months, it's not helped him coming back in where this is coming on top of it all. And if he's getting threats from back back in Israel and the national team managers making, uh, making comments and I dare say innuendo is probably too soft a word for it, but Abaddon needs to take a step in a moment to realise that's not coming from Celtic fans and that's not coming from Celtic. He signed a four-year deal recently for us. He's happy here. He knows what this club's about. He knows what our fans are about. The The fact that we are collectively pro-Palestine is no surprise to him. So I don't think he's got a real big issue with us as a club and a support. And he probably does realise that the vast, vast majority of fans are sympathetic to, to people like Abada. And then today, that's enough. I don't want to really get into anything else about him because we don't know what he's actually thinking. His mental state must be absolutely shot right now. Um, and I don't blame him that his performances probably haven't been the best when he's, since he's came back. But at the end of the day, he's a footballer. Um, if he wants to be at the club, I'm happy for him being here. He gives 100%. We're all good. If he doesn't want to be here, by all means, I'm, I'm not going to judge him for, for this being just a bit too much for him. Not going to criticise him anything. If he wants to move on, I'll understand it and off he goes, if that's the case. But first and foremost, I'd rather he stayed. Franny, you're muted. <laughs> so, Mar, I totally forgot I was muted myself there. It's because it's, it's absolutely passioned in here and it was like thunder and lightning and everything. Like that. Mate, that's what I'm looking at. I've got a blizzard, man. I've got that fucking a bit of small <laughs> hang on my windy. <laughs> like I could proper hear it against the windy and I was like, I wonder if that's actually coming across there. So I'd actually like muted myself and totally forgot I'd done it. But uh, 
I know. I I totally feel sorry for a bad hand. Like you say, it's it's a horrible, horrible situation for anybody. When like you say, it's it's not his fault. You say that and he, he signed a contract. Like this whole again, without going into this whole conflict didn't start on the seventh of October. He'd signed a contract well for that and things like that. So he knew he knew what it was all about and stuff. So it's it's just it's horrible the way it's kind of transpiring. Sorry, James, what you got to say there? No, I just got to say I think we do like you're saying. Obviously. It- the Israel and Palestine isn't anything new. Obviously, it's ramped up since October, and it's not as if like seeing Palestinian flags at Celtic Park's anything new. Um, thinking back to like, the Belshiva game, just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, and look, I know it's all coming out with, with Rogers' comments, it's maybe a wee bit surprising that we didn't. Um, didn't look to at least get him out on loan in January, um, maybe to take the, kinda, take the heat off him a wee bit, because... Um, I mean, the guy must know. Look, you'll get the odd kind of comment online as, as you do, but the guy must know that he's, he's got kind of the majority of the support's support. Um, I can't mind the game he came back, but when he came off the bench, he'd probably get the loudest cheer that day. Um, mm. So, aye, it's just a shame the way it's worked out, but I think he's kicked the last ball for us. Uh, I, I think so. I think, I, I think we might see him, but. <laughs> it'll just it'll be interesting. I've just kind of brought that comment. I thought it was quite. I think it's quite good there for Paul. It, it brings us on to our next subject. Quite good. How he's talking about uh, it's no snow at Dale. Uh, it's, it's it's Martindale's ordered a new supply. And on that note, we'll we'll talk about our opponents in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup. It is David Martindale's Livingston James. And for me, I mean, I know Greenock Morton are still in the in the cup, but. I, I don't think we could have. I think we got the easiest tie there. Livingston for me are absolutely horrible, horrible this season. We've got them at home. I don't think you could have asked for an easier tie. Mate, I, as I said the other night, I, I think it's quite a difficult tie. You're forgetting how experienced Martin Dale is with quarters. Um, <laughs> but, but nah, it's, uh, you should do on paper. It's a, it's an absolute squish in it. Um, as you say, you couldn't, couldn't have asked for a. An easier tie at him. Um so I hopefully get the job done and that's us that's us only handing. I um what about yourself, Anthony? Any add about the, the quarter final draw? And I mean living away sometimes is a predominant hard picture, but even now they're just for me they David Martin they were just getting everything deserves now. You can't just constantly keep moaning and moaning about your budget and then no, of course not. Um but it's the living away, which is where we always get the difficult thing, it's the same as Kilmarnock, isn't it? We, we fear that that plastic pitch more than anything else. Well, I'm just looking at the fixture list there. We have four games before then. Um, not the easiest of games, Kamarnock, Motherwell, Dundee and Hearts. But if we can get mm-hmm. winning results and performances in all four of those games leading up to the Livy game, then you know people are talking about this word momentum that the other mob have that we don't have. But if we can start building on the last two games that late, one of the late penalty against Ebbs, the, the kind of positive result and somewhat positive performance at the weekend. If we keep building on it, then the Livingston game in the and the quarterfinal is should be a scushion. As James said, we should be marching on to to Hamden, where I'd imagine we'll end up playing the Dirty Mob. I we might get hearts in the semis. You never know. You never know. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, it's interesting that Ronnie fixtures and like you say. Winning 
it's a good habit to be in. And if you win the fourth fixtures going into that, then that would be if we can box a four games off with twelve points, I'll be hoping more than happy with where we are and, and things. It's it will be a tricky tricky around the fixtures. But as for the podcast, that's that's us. He's he's enjoyed it tonight, lads. Uh definitely good podcast as always, boys. Good to be on. Good, good. Well, just obviously for me it says thank everybody that was watching and then tune in. I think I think we're doing one on Wednesday. We weren't going to because it's Valentine's Day, but everybody's romantic in this group chat, so we're doing a podcast on Wednesday. <laughs> so if he's a for the folk that are and they got to be doing it on Valentine's Day, we'll we'll see his wedding day for a wee a wee double pivot, a wee bit of, a wee bit of fun, but we'll we'll bid his farewell for the night and we'll see his Wednesday. See you later. Team. Hey, 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 hey.